Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Hello, Anna. How are you today? I'm doing great. We're off to a good start. Last time, (laughs) yes, we certainly are. Last time we touched upon the many themes from our 35 episodes in 2022 and talked about our commitment to continue to explore and deepen into the experience of our personal awareness. That's the part of the consciousness that all allows us to make the choices. As you said so often, Dr. Jane, conscious choices are necessary to be who we're called to be, which is always the best version of ourselves. That's right. And yes, we have launched, Donna. The formula that we've used from the beginning of our series focuses on developing our abilities to step out of the fray of that autopilot thinking that you're talking about and into the awareness that's always there waiting for us. You know, we we call this present moment awareness, and it's really where all the big stuff uh, happens in life. You know, I think of it as this energetic fabric of our personal experience. You know, it's our consciousness, and it's taking place continuously in the moment, and we don't want to miss it. So the, the present moment is the only place where we can know all that big stuff that I'm talking about, the love, the awe, a myriad of emotions, and and a power greater than ourselves. You know, if we're not in the direct experience in the moment, we miss it. And and we're merely kind of pointing to something, you know, that happened or or an idea or a feeling. We may know about it, but we miss the intimacy, that luscious intimacy of the direct experience of knowing. Yes, and so often we do miss it. Yeah, you know, not only do we miss it, but gosh, most people don't even know that they're missing something. They may think that meditation thing and mindfulness thing, it's not for them, you know. But if we don't know the benefits, you know, then they're probably thinking, why bother? It's always right there, as you said, but we miss it and don't know what we're missing. Well, that's pretty much the size of it, Anna. You know, as a culture, we speak of present time, but usually that's a reference to uh, the concept of current time, whether it be day or the year or a particular historical period. You know, that's not really referencing the direct experience in the moment. You know, and there are many things that may pull us into the moment if we're open to it. You know, as I mentioned, love, awe, uh, spiritual experiences, you know, also poetry, various art forms, nature. Um, certainly music has that capacity, but often these are external occurrences, things or objects outside of us that attract us. You know, for our purposes, we want to look at the internal processes. You know, anything that that comes from that inner self that we might access to bring us into the moment and experience whatever shows up. Well, I'm really feeling that difference. We have, you know, we have those outward situations or events that attract our attention and how we respond. And then there's all the inner sensations, the thoughts, feelings that can also grab our attention. I think the key is to scratch it as it's happening and experience it as it plays out. I think you're right, you know, and to learn that we can create the opportunity for the opening into this present moment experience, we can create it. You know, 
how to initiate this experience was not readily known or talked about in our culture until recent times. You know, it was was rare prior to the influx of um, the Eastern traditions and the non-traditional influences of the 1960s, you know, with the wave of meditation. You know, and more recently, we've had a flood of various meditation and mindfulness formats, um, and they provide information and training, but, you know, it's really big business. Um, but in any case, you know, there are far more people who know about the meditation and mindfulness and actually have the direct experience of practicing it regularly. You know, and it's only through this practice that our lives are positively impacted. The benefits are huge. I mean, better health, increased sense of well-being, elevated moods, um, improved attention and concentration. You know, there's also very often a decrease in symptoms of depression and anxiety. We can increase our memory and creativity and, you know, impact and lower our, our level of stress and even increase our reaction time, you know, and the list goes on and on, Anna. Yes, and it's all so wonderful. And Dr. Jane, creating the opportunity for the present moment awareness is the key for our travels, isn't it? Oh, for sure. You know, and we talked about it briefly last time as we revisited the, the three processes of the mindful awareness, the pause and the portal in the presence. You know, we open ourselves really to an opportunity for awareness when we pause in the moment. This is just a really very simple shift that allows us to step off the runaway train of our mind and back away from the tracks. You know, it requires mustering up intention, the intention to move our focus or our attention away from the thought stream and that reactivity, you know, or whatever happens to be holding our attention hostage. Well, moving away from the autopilot thinking, right? It's like a train, all right, I would say for sure. It can hold us captive in our thoughts, which pull our feelings into the mix. And then our bodies get involved because they believe everything we think and feel. Oh, my goodness. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to my morning, Dr. Yeah. Jane. <laughs> And I'm sure many of our listeners can identify with this scenario as well. I think so too, Anna. You know, and, and the thing is, is that it's everything you say and it adds flavor, a negative flavor to our day. Yet being disgruntled with ourselves and, and our lives is often how the adventure into mindful awareness begins. You know, when feeling the impact of stress and feeling trapped, well, we're on the train you know, and we're swept away in our thoughts and our feelings. And we may begin to wonder, you know, is there another way? You know, this is the one runaway train. You know, we don't have to stay on it. But some of us, most of us, in fact, don't know how to get off. You know, do I quit the job? Do I get the divorce? Do I never see my family again? You know, <laughs> and, and each of these may seem momentarily inviting, uh, but no, they're not always the answer. They may seem like the answer, but in our heightened, only in our heightened reactivity, you know, it's the old, you know, I'm, I'm out of here or I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take this anymore, you know, but no, no, it's about slow down. Remember in these times of, of emotional arousal, you know, that the survival mechanism is engaged, goes into high gear. We're pulled into that fight, flight, freeze phenomena. And remember our thinking brain, it goes offline. Oh, yes. Definitely not the place that we want to make life-altering decisions. 
True, true. So the pull to survival, you know, is extremely important and useful at appropriate times. And it can be very self-sabotaging at other times. And awareness can provide the moment of discernment needed to choose what's best right now, what's best in the moment. And with this awareness, we tap into the capacity to move out of the reactivity and choose a different point of concentration. And we do this in our initial practices and then regularly as we integrate practices throughout our daily lives. You know, our concentration point might be an object. It could be a physical sensation, maybe our breath. You know, that's just to name a few. And this is how we create the pause. Sounds so simple, but we both know it's not. (laughs) Well, there is a beautiful simplicity to it, but that doesn't always mean it's easy. You know, but let's take a closer look at the train that we're talking about in real time and see if we recognize how being a passenger and sometimes, (laughs) you know, it's not just we're a passenger, but we're kind of a hostage on it. Well, we're all on board, Dr. Jane. Yes. So here we go. So just imagine, you know, that you're finding yourself getting tired and fed up with what seems to be a constant irritation and stressor in your life. There's lots of stressors. You know, maybe you're even considering that there's another way to do this thing called life, but what? You know, and and we don't necessarily realize that we're being held hostage. You know, it's like... um, we're in the daily grind of life and what else is new? So what do we do? Often we bury ourselves, distract ourselves, numb ourselves with technology. It could be food, alcohol, drugs, you know, binging on Netflix or TikTok. So let's look at a typical day. And this is something that we've all had a time or two. Um, we begin the day and let's just say no, no one is <laughs> cooperating so that we can leave the house to get to where we need to go, whether it's an appointment or work, you know, in a timely fashion. So we growl at anyone who gets in our way. You know, we're gulping down our coffee. We're heading out the door, you know, forgetting our keys, have to go back in. We're certain we're going to be late. We're fed up. And next thing we know, we're sitting in the car, stopped in a traffic pileup. Again, ruminating over how we're going to be late. And we notice the last cup gulp of the coffee is residing on the front of our shirt. Okay. Now, (laughs) how do do we feel, Anna? You know, anxious, irritated. We're admonishing ourselves for staying up too late and binging on that mindless series again, which made it difficult to get out of bed when the alarm went off. So we start to feel maybe remorseful of our grumpiness that we had at home earlier, you know, because it was contagious. It spread like a virus through the household that everybody's everybody's being ugly to each other. And then it's like, nah, we quickly <laughs> justify our grumpiness as being well-deserved by those other parties because they weren't on their game either, right? So we're stewing in our own juices. And um, this continues to play out possibly for the rest of the day or not. Oh, Dr. Jane, that was really good. <laughs> I, I know that train and it's, gonna... <laughs> it's many routes, Dr. Jane. <laughs> yeah, and there we are. It's not always quite that chaotic, but always moving. And I often don't even realize I'm in the passenger seat again. Well, and that's just it, Anna. 
we often don't realize what's making us feel irritated and anxious, you know, or we blame it on someone else or circumstances or whatever, kind of constantly projecting it out from ourselves. So the sequence to begin learning mindful awareness usually begins with paying attention to the dynamics of what's taking place in the morning, seeing what's playing out as it's playing out. And it's best to start by placing our attention on a specific point of concentration. You know, one thing, you know, our breath, you know, inhale and exhale or a visual object like a candle, stone, or could be sensations in our bodies, you know, noticing the sensations in the palms of my hands or the bottoms of my feet. Or I could even be noticing the sensations of physical contact with clothing against my skin or the furniture or the floor contacting my body. You know, and as we give our attention to this point of concentration, we then can begin observing the mind intruding and wandering and how these thoughts work to pull us away into the fray of our of the fray of our thought stream. So we're really taking in what's going on, all those dynamics. Well, let's follow this sequence in the moment-to-moment experience. Good. Let's do it. You know, primarily, it's for us to experience the dynamics of the thought stream, that autopilot thinking. You know, we want to see it in action and recognize it as it moves. I mean, notice how the content may change. We're observing. We're, this is the observer self, but we're not in a critical or judgmental mode at all. We're curious. So it's more like, oh, how about that? Ooh, I'm back in that fray. Woo. My, how my mind loves to chatter, how it loves to label or how it loves to criticize. You know, our journey into the mindful awareness needs to be filled with this kind of openness and kindness and curiosity. You know, we've been living tied to our thoughts and believing that they're facts since the beginning, you know, and now we're starting to be open to finding another way. You know, Anna, but this new way comes comes up against a wall, and the wall that we're up against is old conditioning, you know, and it presents a barrier. So we put it in significantly more hours, <laughs> days, years, decades, practicing the old way. That's where we've invested our time and energy. We don't realize we're on the train. So we're masters at the old way. And we can bring it those walls down, those conditioning, conditioned walls down, but it only comes with continuing to practice a new way. And every time we choose to pause and shift our attention, we, we, we rewire the brain and a new neural program is created. And we can perpetuate that with the practice. And the kindness and the gentleness that we implement in this process is such a significant part of the equation. Well, I hear your emphasis on having a gentle, <clears throat> kind, curious approach in the process. Well, yes. You know, and, and Anna, I remember reading a book um, on how to med- meditate years ago by Lawrence Lashon. And it's, this really takes me back. You know, he talked about the fact that we all veer off the path of our intention at times. And he said the key is to notice where we are and to lead ourselves back onto the path as a loved child. <laughs> wow. You know, I I I never engaged myself as a loved child. 
a love child when I when I dropped the ball or made an error or slipped up in any way, you know. So it was a foreign language that he spoke, but I I took it to heart, and quite frankly, it's been life altering. Well, treating ourselves as a loved child, what what a lovely way to proceed, especially on a path that is unfamiliar and bumpy at best. And as we meet the monkey mind that you know that you yeah. often talk about, the unruly autopilot thinking head on, remembering to be kind, gentle, and consistent. Hmm. I think we're on our way. Oh, Anna, indeed. You know, so let's observe the dynamics of our thought process. And I always kind of refer back to the very classic beginner's practice to observe the autopilot thinking in an activity called the Raisin Meditation. You know, when I first learned this in my first mindfulness-based stress reduction class, which was designed uh, by a guru here in the United States, he is kind of the guru, in the, in the States, John Kabat-Zinn, and he spent years at UMass Medical Center perfecting this formula. And, and if you want, you know, in using this, this particular practice, um, you don't have to use a raisin. I've had an awful lot of people in my classes over the years who were like, I pulled out the raisins, they were like, yuck. It's like, well, okay, you know, you can use anything, you know, if not a raisin, uh, Anything that that is a small morsel of something edible, you know, a bite-sized something, you know, if not a raisin, a small piece of chocolate, an M&M, a Skittle, a grape, you know, what we want to do is we want to concentrate solely on the on experiencing this morsel with all our our senses, you know, the tactile, the visual, the olfactory, the um, gustatory, you know, we we hold it. We look at it, we smell it, we taste it, we chew it, you know, all in slow motion as we notice our thoughts. We're noticing our thoughts moment by moment and how they seem to intrude and sweep us away, you know, intruding with maybe commentary or criticism or judgment or memories. And as we focus on this one simple task of savoring this tiny morsel with all our senses, we get to experience the intricate dynamics of our mind in action. Let's run through the process. We start by having everyone select an edible morsel. Anything, anything will do, right? That's right. That's right. And it's best if you do this practice sitting upright, preferably not while driving or operating machinery. I mean, we always want to put that out there. It's obvious, but we still want to put it out there. You know, we always begin by settling ourselves. Very often we we do this by going to our breath, focusing on a couple rounds of in-breaths and out-breaths. We place the morsel that we've selected in our hand and we want to look at it. We want to observe it. We want to imagine that, that this little object is totally unfamiliar. Notice what thoughts are entering in, even as I say this. Whether you're doubting or criticizing or, you know, this feels dumb, it doesn't matter. Just, it's really about just noticing what shows up, just acknowledging that. And then come back to the morsel, you know, and be curious as you observe it. The size and the shape, how the light in the room hits it. 
Notice if it, if it shows up as brilliance or casting shadows. And again, thoughts entering in, comments, questions, memories. Just acknowledge this and come back to the morsel. And now sense how it feels in your hand. Just kind of move it around your hand. Take in the shape and the textures and the edges. You might, might want to bring it up to your nose and see, is there a scent to it? Where are your thoughts? Where your thoughts go? Just know that and come back to the morsel. Next, we want to place it in our mouth without chewing it. Just letting it rest on our tongue. Notice how aware you might be of the urge to chew. Notice your salivary glands if they've acted up. And notice your thoughts commenting, questioning. And then slowly begin to chew the morsel, making it last a long time, as long as possible, savoring. Back to your thoughts now, noticing how they're coming in. Come back to the morsel in your mouth. Now swallow slowly, noticing the sensations in all sides of your mouth and throat, following the sensations as far as possible. Notice if your stomach is responding and where are those thoughts, what shows up with the thoughts, and then return to your sensations. As you finish, come back to your breath, the inhale and the exhale. Notice any thoughts. Come back to the breath. Just notice how you feel. Notice your reaction to the exercise. Did you enjoy the morsel as you usually do, or was it different this time? Oh, my I have to say, I hope everyone had time to go grab something, Dr. Jane, because, and if they didn't, they should re-listen, rewind and, and do this practice. It's like every time I do this exercise with you, I am amazed at how busy my thinking is with its commentaries, criticism about how I'm doing it, my the memories. Oh my goodness, the memories. I can't even begin to tell you. Chocolate holds a lot of memories for me, <laughs> Dr. Jane. <laughs> it's always more satisfying when I eat it slowly and mindfully. Oh, yummy. <laughs> well, me too, Anna. You know, and it always it never fails. Easter bunny ears. Come oh, up, yes. you know? So yeah. it's amazing, isn't it? You know, that little morsel and a flood of mental and emotional activity, you know, and, and that's the point. We're getting acquainted with how the thought stream operates. We're experiencing it by watching it and witnessing how it moves, how the thoughts spring up spontaneously, seemingly triggering other mental content, you know, and how we can choose to step away, pause and return to our intended point of concentration. You know, and this experience offers us that close-up view to the wild ride that's constantly drawing our attention and interfering with our concentration. You know, this ongoing barrage of thoughts, it colors our day, you know, by fueling emotions 
which present the lenses onto which we see the world, you know, and, and what kind of day are you having? Check out the interaction of your thoughts and your feelings. Oh, so yes. We want to become very skilled at recognizing our thought stream, autopilot thinking. And, and we also want to um, recognize and, and increase our ability to move away from and pause from the thoughts and stay with the activity of our choice. And we do this by practice, focusing our attention, like we did on the tiny morsel, acknowledging when our thoughts wander or intrude, and then returning to our point of concentration, to the intended activity. And this is the initial stage of learning that we have the capacity to pause in the autopilot thought process and determine where we want to go next. Where do we want to place our attention? Well, let's let's talk about you know um, about how we might practice, Doctor Jane. Well, we can practice the exercise like we did with the morsel, or or we might want to try shifting to a different activity and giving it our full attention, full concentration, and once again noting when when other thoughts enter into the scene. You know, we acknowledge the thoughts and return to the activity of our intention, original focus and concentration. You know, activities like washing our hands or a dish, chopping an onion or a pepper. You know, it could be that we're focusing on shampooing our hair, stirring the soup, or maybe having a, a nice cup of coffee or tea. Yeah, this is great. Let's let's find as many activities as possible in our daily routine where we can practice. Uh, I can think of a few, you know, as simple as eating a meal, um, brushing our teeth, waiting on hold. That always gets you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which I do quite often. Or even walking the dog. Oh, those are good ones, Anna. Well, I think this is going to be a very interesting week, and I hope everyone participates and tries this out. They'll find how beneficial it can be for sure. Thank you, Dr. Jane. Thank you, Anna. Until our next conversation.